and welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my co-host and husband Jeremy and today we are talking to Carolina and Alyssa from Catalyst Miami. Catalyst Miami is a non-profit organization investing in communities of color in the Miami-Dade County to help them against economic and racial injustices. Catalyst Miami provides a multitude of services to individuals in situations of crisis, but also create programs to empower and generate more sustainable long-term resources for communities that have been left out for decades. Carolina and Alisa both share what motivated them to join Catalyst Miami, what are the situations they are facing regularly, and what they are putting in place to help families and people in need. Enjoy! Hi Carolina and Alyssa, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to have this conversation and welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited. Yeah, thank you both for taking the time to record with us. Um, We actually never really interacted in person yet, uh, but I had the pleasure a few months ago now to build a website for Mama Joy, who we had on the show a few weeks ago as well. And while I was learning about what Mama Joy was doing, I discovered your organization, Catalyst Miami. And... Carolina and I exchanged many emails in the past few months to get the website ready and everything. And yeah, basically the work that you're doing in Miami is very, very cool. And I thought it'd be a very you know, impactful conversation to share the work that the organization and also the work that you two are doing within the organization because you're impacting many lives through your work. And it's probably one of those work that goes unnoticed, I think, in society. And but but you have a huge impact on many people. So yeah, thank you, thank you so much for both of you for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So I well. guess we can start with uh, before maybe we dive into your personal stories. You too. It's like, can you tell us a little bit about Catalyst Miami, about the organization you work for? Sure. Yeah, Alyssa, I can take this one. So I'll kind of set the stage. Um, Brace yourself, strap in. We do a lot. (laughs) Um, But just to give you a tiny bit of background, Catalyst Miami was founded 26 years ago, actually almost 27 now, um, by the now mayor and the first female mayor of Miami-Dade County, Daniela Levine Cava. Uh, It's changed a lot since then, but um, a lot of it has actually stayed the same in our mission. So Our work centers on advancing racial and economic justice in low wealth communities across Miami-Dade County and South Florida, um, especially communities of color, which have historically been left out of wealth building opportunities and opportunities to participate in our democracy. Um, Essentially, our mission is to collectively solve the issues that our low wealth communities are facing together with them, hence the word collectively Mm -hmm. there. Um, So if you see our website, you'll notice that our work covers a lot of ground, and that's because we know poverty is a multifaceted, multi-layered issue that requires coming at it from all angles. So our communities know that climate justice is health justice, is housing justice, is racial justice, you know, is economic justice. They all go hand in hand, and they make up this intersectional, this web of intersectional issues. Um, So... 
Our work is that we, we do all of it by building people power. Um, we mm. tackle all these issues by building people power. We know that residents are the experts in their own lives. Um, they know best what they need. So we are not the solution. We are simply the catalyst. <laughs> um, we, you know, we provide the tools and opportunities that help people have more agency in their lives and that help them positive, positively impact their communities too. So we bring community members into the process of democracy by giving them a foundation of knowledge around these issues that are going on and um, really what's what's going on underneath. What are the underlying causes and training them into grassroots leaders and then sharing opportunities to advocate around these around key policies that could improve their lives. Um, and and to become more civically engaged, right? So um, every year as people go through our leadership programs, this network of community leaders grows in numbers and in impact. So it's really cool to see. And then the other arm of our organization, um, and Alyssa like straddles both, um, but this is where like officially her, her job lies is in this <laughs> second arm of our organization, which is dedicated to prosperity and community economic development. So we do financial coaching and health wellness coaching, um, which Alyssa can talk about um, on a household level. So helping people find um, um, health insurance and apply for for, for benefits and um, find you know job support um, and building a budget, tackling credit. Again, that's all Alyssa's like expertise. And so that's on a more household level. And then on a more macro level, we're working on expanding community ownership. Um, and creating a cooperative economy that generates both individual and shared prosperity in our communities. So for example, we have a program that helps people launch worker cooperatives. Um, and now we're bringing cooperatives into the real estate space. Um, as you may know, real estate is the, the way that people have historically created and passed down wealth in South Florida, um, except people of color have been left out of that. Um, so, so now um, our newest project, the North Miami Community Investment Cooperative, um, we're, we're buying a commercial property in North Miami and then selling it back to working class residents of that community who may or may not have ever thought that they would own an asset, own a property that then they can pass down generationally. You know, so I'm almost done with my spiel, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> we also know that like Catalyst lives by this, the theme of, you know, if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you always got. So Catalyst Miami tries different innovative approaches that no one else in our region is doing. So for example, um, we started a universal children's savings account. The first in Florida, sorry, mm. a universal children's savings account program, the first of its kind in Florida, which gives all kindergarten students in Miami-Dade County a free savings account that they can use for college or post-secondary education. Oh, wow. Miami-Dade County is the fourth largest school, public school system in the country. So it's a lot of kids um, who are now getting this future-bound mentality. Um, and so, or more support with that. So uh, that program is called Future Bound Miami. Um, so anyway, the list goes on and on, but hopefully you get the gist and I'll, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> no, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you, you do cover a lot of ground, right? Uh, so it is, uh, uh, you, you need a lot of skills also to cover all that. But there are like a couple of words that you said that I think I would like you, maybe one of you to dive in just to, uh, to help people understand a little bit the importance of the job is you, you mentioned economic justice 
an equitable asset. And can you tell us a little bit like why is that a problem in communities of color and what are you trying to do to, to, to solve that? Oof. Uh, I'll tackle that one. Like, why is it a problem, right? Um, it's a problem because it was made um, a problem by times of racial disparities and segregation. And, you know, I mean, a lot of the solutions that were created over 50 years ago, um, and, and plus were really great solutions, but they excluded mm. a lot of people of color. That's, that's the problem. And they were excluded because of the color of their skin, right? Mm. Because of uh, prejudice. And so now all these people that were helped with these solutions, yeah, cool, they're thriving. That's awesome. But now the people that were excluded originally are still just trying to survive. Like they are, you know... At, and even then, they're resilient and they have created their own pathways, a lot of them, in to make happen what they want to make happen with their lives. But their opportunities have been limited. And that is a fact. It's mm -hmm. not an opinion. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about economic justice, we're talking about helping those that were originally excluded. Because now their families are still being affected by that by those decisions from before. And then that is the issue, right? Because hmm. when we think of generational wealth, especially now that we're heading into an economy that is just <laughs> swindling, right? Just going up and down the pandemic hit and it was just like a complete explosion. Like a lot of people didn't know what to do. And again, all these things are affecting what was already a problem. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it's creating deeper problems, deeper issues. And um, something that I think is powerful now is that people power that Garo had mentioned that it's people really are like tired. Right. I mean, they've been tired for a long time, but especially people of color are are finally able to have enough freedom to be able to speak out and say things that are unjust um, without fear of retaliation, without fear of a lot of other injustices. So this particular thing of like equitable assets, right, is like, what is equity, right? Meaning that people are given what they need specifically. Not everyone is going to need the same thing, mm. right? So in that equity, equitable asset building is what, did they not have before that somebody else did have, right? So it's about creating the right opportunities, the right pathways to be able to reach for things that they didn't have access to originally um, and their families before them as well. Because remember, at the end of the day, that kind of is the, the driving force for many right? Yeah. That legacy, that family, like the hope that you will leave something for what you've, you're currently building right now. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, you, you said something at the beginning that resonate to something that I've learned a couple of years ago when obviously like the murder of George Floyd, like creating a, a massive wave of uh, brought awareness to the issue for white people 
for black people it was they already knew right but for people like us mm. that was a trigger to get more educated on a topic and and something that i've realized then that i didn't understand before is you know we always say the system is broken and i like you said it's not the system was built actually pretty well but it's just the system was created this way there's nothing broken here it was made this way from the ground to privilege white people and to leave black people behind with nothing and and that was something that i think that's a very important notion to have in mind because yeah there's nothing broken here it's just the system is built this way and it has to be disrupted basically to mm-hmm. to fix that right there's nothing to fix nothing broken absolutely mm. absolutely yeah it would work if everybody had access to it equal access to it right yeah. but because that has not been the case then equity comes in right and that's the um that's the idea of meeting people where they are um mm. it's it's not that everybody needs the same thing it's that we're adjusting and and tweaking um for specific needs to address historic injustices that create present injustices mm. exactly so- so before we dive into more like the the details of the work that you do on a daily basis and stuff like that, there's something that when I was going through your website, I was wondering is that you provide, like you said, so many services to communities. Uh, how is Catalyst funded? Like, how do you uh, get your own resources to provide all this help to the communities? Yeah, so we are almost entirely grant funded. Um, wow. And, and we do two big fundraisers in the year. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about this, yeah, this fundraising that you, that you do then? Yeah, for sure. So um, we have um, a signature event that happens in October and that's um, inviting all of our donors and community members and um, community leaders. That's in person um, later this month. And then we have one um, in November called Give Miami Day. And that is one that anybody can participate in. And um, it's a 24-hour online fundraising blitz. And um, it's givemiamiday.org. And yeah, anybody can support our work or the work of any other cool organizations down in Miami. That's really cool. That's amazing. It's amazing that you managed to run the pretty big operation that you do run through grants and 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 fundraise uh, i Absolutely. didn't think that was possible because i mean to do everything that you do you need a lot of resources and people right so yeah. it does require a decent amount of resources to operate yeah, yeah and when it comes to the the grant funding that is something that like we apply for different grants like as a nonprofit organization mm-hmm. a 5013 c we do one, we receive some funding from different like banking institutions, for example, because by law, banks do have to give back to the communities. They have to. Right. <laughs> um, so that is a thing. Right. Um, and then on top of that as well, we also just apply for different things. You know, there are other larger organizations like the Miami Foundation that literally give money to different nonprofits. Um, you know, so there's different programming applications that you can apply for to receive certain funds and then you apply those funds to specific programming or you know we also have a grant from the county itself miami-dade county you know um so it's a lot that we keep track of but it's in to ensure that the work keeps going 
Mm. You know. So the uh, to be more specific about the Miami Day, um, the link if anybody wants to to check out that page and 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 donate is catalystmiamiorg slash Give Miami Day. That's our specific page. Okay. It'll be on the screen, so people just have to click on it and copy and paste. It'll be, I'll make it easy for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so something I wanted to ask you, Alisa, is um, I, I was reading about your background and you have a background and a master degree in social work. And that's obviously like a big impact on what you do now. Can you explain in a few words what's social work or slash a social worker? <laughs> in a few words, a social worker is a human being that is a walking resource, right? They are the connection and liaison for problems and solutions is mm -hmm. like the most basic way I can describe it because it's such a broad degree. You know, you can go the clinical route um, of being a therapist, but you can also go mm -hmm. the macro route of being a program manager or doing case management. You know, um, it, there's so many different things, but yeah, that's what I would say. The liaison for problems and solutions, connecting people to what they need. I do like this definition. Yeah. It's a pretty cool one, actually. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm asking because I know the, the the one through, like, the clinical route, like, going into psychology and stuff like that. But I, w I was wondering if there were other aspects of it. That's why I was asking. Oh, yeah, there's oh, so many different mm. routes you can go. And I'm actually both. I wear, I'm uh, a licensed uh, clinician, but then I'm also doing the other macro work that doesn't require like providing treatment and therapy mm. in a mental health setting. Right. AKA so, she's a badass. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, I love like, that definition, a walking resource. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. And connecting problems and problems and solution. Nice. We, we need a lot of social worker in the world, I think. Yeah. That's what it feels like. <laughs> um, what inspired you to join Catalyst, you two? Um, I mean, I, get, I'll, I guess I can go first to continue the, the social work because yeah. I actually um, uh, discovered Catalyst through my internship program in graduate school while I was getting my master's degree in social work. So upon my first, you have to do two different internships. One... The first one can be kind of anything, and the second one has to be a very rigorous clinical one. So mm -hmm. for my very first one, I was like, I don't want to do clinical. I want to do macro. What's the best thing for me? And they were like, oh, you got to go to Catalyst. So I was like, cool. I had never heard of Catalyst, um, which is crazy considering how long they had, they had been around and everything and their impact. But that's how it started. I was um, accepted as an intern, and I did... Um, you know, some work there. And then after that one semester, um, I was invited to apply for an open position and I did, and I got it as a financial coach. Um, and the rest is history. I've been there ever since <laughs> post like masters, post licensure. Um, you know, I, I did my clinical stuff on the side, but my full-time job has been at Catalyst Miami. 
And before we jump to you, Karina, uh, so like that's more like the technical reason that you joined Catalyst, but what's the personal inspiration to maybe not join Catalyst, but, but then to, to get a degree into social work? What's like the, your, your personal story behind that? So I had my undergrad degree in psychology, so I've always liked the mental health setting. Um, I just, I, I like understanding why people behave the way they do. Behavior, human behavior is so interesting to me. Like, why do people make decisions, you know, um, or like what's going on in their brain? Um, so that's always been very interesting to me. But my ultimate goal, I, you know, is to actually become a judge. Mm -hmm. And I think judges should have a mental health background because they are literally changing people's lives with the sentencing and the solutions technically that they're providing for people. Yeah. They're deciding people's fates. But if they don't understand human behavior, how can they really determine what is best for somebody? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, getting my mental health degree first is kind of like the first stepping stone. Not only does it help me transform personally as a person, understanding myself more, um, the people around me, but then it also helps me just connect me with more people. The more people you interact with, the more trends you get to see among people. And that's what's really important. Like, what are people, what are the same things that people are going through? What are the reasons why? Um, and it, it all adds up. It's all the same thing. It's all mm -hmm. related to, like, the same issues at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, the next step would be, like, law school and all that fun stuff and then eventually becoming a judge. So that's, like, personally why I do yeah. social work and why I'm connected to Catalyst and all, their, all the work that we do. What about you, Carolina? Um, as for me, I, before Catalyst Miami, um, I was in the for-profit world. So that's where I started out my career. I worked for, um, um, Hallmark. I was a creative writer there. And, um, then I worked at an ad agency in Miami, but all the while, um, and ever since even like college, I've been, um, using my spare time after work for community community work um, and, and volunteering and starting different initiatives in whatever city I was in and um, just being really involved. And I, and that's always been my passion. It's just that in school, they don't tell you do what you're passionate about. They tell you do what you're good at. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, and, and I think I'm good at writing and communication. Um, I'm the communications director for, for Catalyst Miami. Um, I love communication. I'm, I'm, I, I consider myself a communicator, like at my core. I understand how how words and messages have impact. They can they can start wars. They can mm -hmm. save lives. Like they can do so much. Um, and 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 I understand how um, how to reach public audiences. And so throughout my career, those are skills that I've honed and in different roles. Um, and, but I wanted to, to make my passion, my job, and then, you know, um, any like writing and, and creativity that I wanted to do my hobby. So I kind of flipped it, um, mm -hmm. when I joined Catalyst Miami and I wanted to also, like Alyssa said, do more macro level work, um, because I had been doing a lot of like, um, community level, um, volunteering, um, in different, in different places. And so I wanted to see what it would be like to be, um, to do both. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so Catalyst Miami does both. And, um, and so 
I, I love communications um, and I am I consider myself super lucky because I get to work with all of my staff um, because they all lead different initiatives um, and different programs. And so I get to see what all of them do. And they honestly, like we have incredible people working for Catalyst Miami, um, incredibly dedicated. And so I just get to help them like get their message out there and get people to discover their programs and then elevate their stories and then get people inspired and, and maybe encourage people to donate. Um, although there's, there's a fundraising uh, development uh, manager who's, who's even better at that than I am. Um, but that's, that's my job, right? It's just communicate what we do, um, communicate the stories of our, of our communities um, and the issues and the solutions and ways that people get in, can get involved and the way that um, this might this might come from my my hallmark background but the way that I like to do it is by inspiring hope um, rather than rather than bringing people down right or making them mm. feel like hopeless because there there is there is a lot of hope when we all get involved um, and when when people realize the power that they have right that nobody's ever told them hey you you have access to, you know, elected officials. You can tell them what you want and they actually have to listen to you, right? Mm -hmm. And your words are on the record and, you know, and and um, you can advocate for certain things and you can get involved in certain things. And once you just tell them that, it's a game changer. Um, so, so yeah, I love my job. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can tell, we, we can, can feel that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's interesting what you said like just right now about uh, using hope as a way to communicate because I think very often, especially in politics, for example, people use fear, right? Like be careful mm. about people like that or about this thing happening or whatever and they use fear to trigger whatever they want you to, to do. And I mean, it is efficient. It does work, right? Not that it's good. It does work. It is a proven strategy based on human behavior and everything. We do react to that as human being, but it's always the same, right? If you have the choice between you can get to the same result using fear or you can get to the same result using hope and inspiration and joy and happiness, why would you pick the fear, right? Like it's, it's mm -hmm. you know, if you have the choice, you might as well be the nice, pick the nice one. And that's amazing that you can you can channel that to inspire people to help out and, and empower the communities, right? Yeah, of and course. you know, and the problem with fear too is that usually that comes with pointing the finger at someone, yeah. right? And, and having a scapegoat. Yeah. Whereas if you take the approach of community and looking out for each other and a shared prosperity and all of us getting ahead, because when we solve these issues, when we enact these policies, they don't just benefit the people in our, you know, that our organization works with, the communities that our organization works with. They benefit all of us. Mm -hmm. Everybody can benefit from, you know, a better tax policy. Everybody can benefit from climate justice, right, being ingrained in our policy and, and prioritized. Everybody can benefit from um, housing opportunities, right, and and expanding health care because it, it takes one incident in your life to end up needing resources and needing support it can happen to any of us at any time and so all of these things they benefit our society at large you know mm -hmm. maybe not like the 0.1 percent you know billionaire corporations but they're fine nobody's worried about them 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And also so. just remember that when it comes to fear, like, yeah, it's a, a common tactic to use to control others, but you can get tired of being scared. Yes. It doesn't last forever. You know, yeah. hope can last forever. Mm. You know, um, so I just wanted to add that like you people can yeah. get tired of like, I don't want to be scared anymore. I don't want to be controlled, you mm-hmm. know, and that's when you start seeing like these breaks um, and, you know, people coming forward or, you know, even if it's too late, like we see like older adults or something like finally being truthful or authentic. Right. Because yeah. um, they've been controlled by something else. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what, it, that's also what I was going to say is that fear is not sustainable for exactly the reason mm-hmm. that Alyssa just said. Um, you know, that's why Emily Dickinson, uh, so wisely wrote that hope is the thing with feathers, right? It can fly. Mm. Mm. Oh, mm. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Word nerd over here. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So I've got like kind of two questions in one. Um, when either individuals or organization in the communities you're helping want to get help by Catalyst, uh, what's the process like? Do you usually go to the community and pick the right candidate, quote unquote, or does it come to you? And my second question connected to that is, when you get to work with people, uh, what is usually the main thing that people need assistance with? Do you see like a pattern of things that they most they need most of the time? So, first and foremost, things have changed since the pandemic. Hmm. Uh, we used to do a lot more, um, I guess, public setting like offering services in public settings. Now we are kind of beginning to return back to that. Um, But for a while we had to, we had to transition everything to virtual, Um, which inevitably um, we did kind of lose um, a lot of folks that may have had barriers to technology and, you know, just other reasons. Right. Um, But the process is usually that people reach out to us. They, we have a lot of referral partners that, um, we're just, we're a resource for so many. Um, so we do have like an intake system where folks can call in, they reach out via social media, they get referred by a partner. Um, a lot of our clients actually come from family and friends that tell Mm -hmm. them about, uh, about us, which is great. Like that in itself, like word of mouth is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, so we do, you know, and but we do have like other connections that we make. We reach out to different organizations that we potentially want to partner with or we know there is a need in because that's what other community members have told us. So it's a little bit of both in terms of like that reciprocal relationship of um, kind of bringing people in and then also just accepting who comes. Right. Um, and then to your second question of what do they primarily kind of ask for, it it ranges, you know, at one, we do so much. Um, but as a direct service provider, a lot of what we have seen as of late, especially because of the housing crisis in well, now at this point, it's the entire country, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) but really, especially in Miami, um, is a lot of like crisis intervention and crisis management. Like Mm. people 
are trying to survive. Oh, I'm about to lose my home. What do I do? Right? They're not thinking like, how do you improve your credit score to eventually buy a home? Like, no, they're thinking, what is the short term goal? What can I do right now? So a lot of it is kind of giving like short term like solutions in that moment. What can be done now? Right. Um, And it's it gets frustrating because we can't do it all. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I can't do it all as one person. The organization can't do it all as an organization. We like, for example, we don't assist with like a direct service in housing. Right. Um, so that's something we would need to refer out for, mm-hmm. um, which is really it's frustrating. Right. Because we can kind of help you prep for home ownership through our financial literacy and everything. But we can't help you like provide the thousands of dollars you might need to keep from being evicted. Right. Um, so we provide a lot of resources with that. And that's a lot of what we've seen lately, just kind of like people in crisis mode of just trying to stay afloat. Mm. Um, and then the other side of it is that people are just looking for stability Mm. more than anything. So let's say they're not in crisis mode, they're just getting by. So how can they improve their situation? How can they maximize income? How can they do a bit more, right, Um, in terms of getting engaged with the community, you know, solving an issue that they didn't realize, oh, I can speak to my elected official. Who is my elected official, right, you know? Um, So I'll pause there because I can keep going forever. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's so so, um, on point, Alyssa. Um, A lot of what we're trying to do now, uh, because we're actually in the middle of crafting our new strategic plan, um, which will guide and, and shape our, it's like the guidebook posts of our work for the next three years. Um, and a big part of it is that um, we want to integrate the direct services and, and all the work that Alyssa's talking about that she does, um, integrate that with um, advocacy. And um, it's, you know, not just like not only helping people um, survive where they are, right, um, but also get involved in once they once they do have a grip on whatever situation they're in, um, then connecting them with opportunities to advocate to become more civically engaged because they mm-hmm. could um, improve things for not only their families but their communities, right, and even our city. Um, and so we've found that uh, when we do ex- extend those opportunities and say, hey, do you want to also learn about this and get involved in this and join this network of grassroots advocates and activists and change makers, they're, they're really excited about it. They're like, yeah, I would love to be a part of what changes this, right? What changes what caused this in, in the first place. Yeah. And so we're, we're going to be more intentional about that, um, like officially um, with this new strategic plan. And we've been doing it, you know, kind of more informally over the years. But now it's going to be, you know, a, a major tenet mm-hmm. of our work. Um, and I, I when Alyssa was talking about like the crisis intervention, mode, it took me back to 2020 um, when the pandemic began and it was like all hands on deck people who did not do, you know, um, intake, um, checking, checking our inbox and our phone and our like website messages and just everything, social media messages and responding. And we all had to adapt in the moment and meet people where they were. And there is one gentleman who always stays with me because 
he has three sons. Um, he's a single dad and he had this like boat cleaning company in Miami. And of course, nobody was out on their boats in March, 2020. So, um, and for a long time thereafter, but, um, the point is that his income dropped to essentially nothing. And he came in with this, um, with this idea that like he was never going to be on food stamps, right. Or snap, um, the benefits program. And he was, he, you know, had this preconceived notion about people who were on food stamps, like they, mm. whatever he thought about them. And he was like, that's not me. Right. How could that be me? Yeah. He came to find that that's a lot of people who are working, at, you know, doing their best. Some of them working more than one job. Um, you know, they might be single parents with multiple kids, just, you know, rent has gone up like what, 50% in Miami yeah. or, um, at least 40, yeah. um, you know, and everybody's just trying to stay afloat. And so this, this man, his perspective completely shifted because he found that, um, snap was actually the only program that was responding quickly within the week, sending people, um, money to buy food oh, for wow. their families. Cause they couldn't do that anymore when they lost their income. Um, so that, that gentleman's story always stays with me because, you know, it's just so emblematic of the, of these, these judgments that we have that who knows where they came from, right? Um, our society, they like instills all these messages in, in our minds about, um, what to think about certain people and who, who to, who to glorify and who to look down on. Right. And it's, it's, it's backwards. Um, and so this this guy always stays with me. Um, and yeah, just, uh, we, we, we started seeing a lot of, a lot more clients, um, during 2020 and, and yeah, our networks have been growing up. Our networks of kind of change makers have been growing even more since then because people are like, yeah, you know what? There's no reason why we have to live in this system. That's so fragile that, you know, if, if something like this happens, we're potentially on the streets, right. Or my kids Mm -hmm. can't eat. Um, it, it can't be like that. And there are things that we can do as a community to advance, to create something stronger and better for all of us. Um, and last thing I'll say there is that, I don't know if y'all know, but, um, 50% of households in Miami-Dade County live in what's called liquid asset poverty. Um, which means that if they, for some reason, lost um, their income for three months, if they didn't get a paycheck for three months, they would slip into poverty. Three months. Wow. How long has the pandemic been? Yeah. So, so that's the situation we're looking at. Um, and yeah, that's, I don't even know, Alyssa, you may know if it's been more than 50% now. Um, but I don't have an exact number, but it feels like more yeah, than fifty percent. I'm, I'm not surprised, knowing that how many people just live paycheck to paycheck, right? Uh, and again, that's not just in the U.S. as well. Like so many people from actually many communities live paycheck to paycheck because we are not taught about how to. We we don't we don't teach personal finance in school and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's like a global issue, I think. But um, I'm not surprised, yeah, by by the ratio so and I've not said much I've just been sat here like taking it all in because you guys are just incredible I'm just like overwhelmed by everything but I kind of had a question in terms of I understand what you do because you've kind of explained it all but in terms of like specifically if somebody came like this gentleman with the food stamps 
I guess it's not you who actually gives him the food stamps, you direct him into the right place. Or if somebody wants to learn about finance, is it you actually teaching him about finance or do they, do you then refer them to somewhere else? Does that make sense? It does. It does. So we actually, yeah, we do the application uh, with them uh, mm -hmm. for food stamps. You know, we do help them um, with any like federal benefit, right? right? So whether that's applying for Medicaid, uh, food stamps, um, I, I'm the only one that can do disability because there are certain people that are allowed to do that one specifically. Um, so yeah, like any type of benefits that are, are needed and then the financial literacy as well, we do provide that. Um, okay. and then if it, depending on what they need, like if it's more advanced, like I'm not a broker and they want to learn more about investments, I will refer out, you know, hmm. ethically. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, do, we do a lot in-house. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've been talking about providing solutions to problems arising like here and now like i have an issue i don't have an income anymore i'm gonna lose my house like please help me now um which is great but in order in a grand scheme of things to solve the bigger issue uh, you need to be more proactive and educate people and educate the next generation so hopefully those problems don't happen to them right uh, so they learn how to manage the money, they learn how to build wealth and stuff like that. Is that something that you provide as well? So more like educational resources and content and services to hopefully empower the community so those problems don't arrive at some point anymore? Absolutely. I feel like education is the primary thing, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, so a lot of like first like the initial meeting with people is a lot of like gauging where they're at like what do you know mm. right um and like asking them specific questions um and this is aside from intake intake is very basic right my name date of birth how much i make xyz but once you get in with an actual coach one-on-one -on -one, because everything we do offer is one-on-one -on -one, mm. um and then we also have some like community presentations for groups and whatnot but a lot of the financial coaching we do is one-on-one -on -one. so it's tailored to the individual so a lot of that is a conversation of like so tell tell me a little bit about your finances what what are your goals what do you want to accomplish you know what has happened to you um to kind of gauge what they need but also what they've already been through so that there's no repetition right because that's also something that we've discovered like once about our clients specifically, once they get to us, they have been through so many things already. Like, oh, they already referred me here. They didn't help. We did this right. already. It's almost like extra stressful for us because they're mm -hmm. at the final straw, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it kind of puts this pressure on us to like be that help. Um, so it, it can get stressful in that regard. Mm. Yeah, the crisis intervention stuff um those those situations and scenarios have increased since the pandemic but correct me if i'm wrong Alyssa, but i think even the, before the pandemic it was more um financial literacy um financial coaching helping with budgeting um tax preparation um mm. which is a super expensive thing to get done professionally we do it for free um, credit coaching, helping people find healthcare. And then, you know, in the last couple of years, it's, it's become a lot more, um, you know, helping people survive the situation yeah. they're in. 
Um, but none of the other stuff that we um, do has has stopped. Um, in fact, over the past couple years, um, we've doubled down on the more macro level of community economic development, like that, like that investment cooperative, right, in North Miami. Um, we got a grant from J.P. Morgan Chase um, to buy a commercial property. So think like a strip mall in North Miami, which is one of the uh, fastest gentrifying areas in our county, and it's one of the most diverse. Um, and, and it was really, uh, it, it's, it's, this project is a way to preserve what's there and to, and, and, and who's there and to give them the agency over what happens in their neighborhood. Because what happens is a lot of in South Florida and across Florida and probably everywhere else, but especially in Florida, a lot of, um, you know, real estate investors and developers come in and they'll come into a community that maybe is at higher elevation, right? Uh, climate change is a real thing. So as people are building these yeah. these homes and these apartment buildings, these high rises and luxury condos, mm. they're thinking climate change. So they're going more inland, which historically has been where people of color have been mm. kind of shoved off, you know, the the beachfront areas, right? Um, yeah. And and that's where they have um, created their communities and their homes. And now with elevation gentrification, which is what a lot of our community members call it. Um, you know, a lot of developers are coming in and, and just like buying land and, and building high rises. And, and so what happens to the people who are there, right? So this um, investment cooperative, the NMCIC, if you want to read about it, it's catalystmiami.org slash NMCIC. Um, we're going to sell back this property um, to the working class residents of that community. So they will own that asset. They will own a big, you know, a big part of their community. Um, and that comes with um, that comes with financial education too. What what does it mean to own a property, to manage a property, to govern it as a cooperative? Right. There's a mm. lot of financial education that comes with that that they can then pass down to their families. In addition to the asset that they own, they pass down that knowledge too. So it's you know we're thinking long term as well. Yeah. Um, so exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I would just add that. What I love about Catalyst is our integrated approach because we know that so many things impact one another. So, for example, um, I've actually recently created this new kind of approach that we're doing with our health clients, for example, uh, where all health clients will get a complimentary credit report with their mm -hmm. credit score, you know, um, just to to confirm one any type of medical debt they might have because medical debt is one of the most common debts that people have mm -hmm. especially in this country with this healthcare system yeah. and so that and then just being able to like what if they figure out oh i don't even have an established score what can i do about that oh mm -hmm. i have a debt in collection i didn't even know about that has been impacting their score that they didn't know and as a result they weren't getting approved for a mortgage loan, right? Yeah. So it's like this, like, like this domino effect that everything is connected, right? Or taxes, we include tax education with everyone, right? Because if you have healthcare through the market system, the marketplace, um, ACA, for example, you will get a tax document. And then all of a sudden, people owe money for having health insurance. And they're like, I don't understand why. Mm -hmm. So it, it all it really is like this collective system, you know, and it, and it is overwhelming. That's why it's important to have 
you know, somebody that can kind of guide you and not overwhelm you, right? Like not throw all this information all at once. Like it can be done in a series of sessions and, you know, little by little, because like, you know, you have to digest this information in order to retain it. You know, you Mm -hmm. can't just have it thrown at you. So I just wanted to add that as well. Yeah. Alyssa actually um, participated in, I'm sorry if I get this wrong, Alyssa, but with Senator Chevron Jones in in a new tax policy, the Earned Income Tax Child yeah. Credit. Is that right? Uh, EITC, like EITC. Earned Income Tax Credit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So it's like a state level. Yeah, that was like a policy um, that we were working on because like Florida is a very regressive state when it comes to taxes like we don't have an income tax we have yeah. we solely depend on sales tax right everyone pays the same exact sales tax which is not fair right the richest person in the state pays the same sales tax as the poorest person in the state yeah. um and that's on goods and this is a capitalist economy and society so there we're kind of forced to participate in this terrible system right mm-hmm. um so we were trying to co- like coming up with like a policy that can offset some of the bad stuff basically from our sales tax or this specific you know state so yeah so like that's just another integrative approach like connecting policy to services like what do people have to say what is affecting the people okay this is how we can affect like potentially change it so yeah thank you for bringing that up Carol. and that you know that also you said though Uh, sorry sorry to cut you off Karina like um I've never thought about it this way um as a little selfish European French moving to Miami, I got a job there a few years ago uh, with like nice paycheck and everything. I was like, oh, Florida, there's no income tax. Cool, I'm gonna pay less tax right here. Like you know, uh, more money for me, right? You know, thinking about the way um, I've never seen it this way. About yeah, that means that you're paying your taxes to what you buy, which means someone that is earning a feast of what you're earning is taxed at the same level than you are and yep i could i could have afforded paying more taxes you know easily um and yeah i've never seen it this way so thank you for sharing that of course yeah education is power (laughs) absolutely that's like that's another example of equity right um yeah like not everybody can pay the same you know, like there's, if the wealthiest person in Florida is paying the same amount of taxes as the, the one with the lowest amount of wealth, what, what is that, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's about thinking about um, how can we adjust the system to be more equitable, to meet people where they are. Mm. Thank you for sharing that though, Jeremy. That's, um, that's so true. And hopefully people will be able to see that. With the way yeah. That like, you know, it's, it's something as me, like I was paying X amount of tax in France, I moved to Miami and it's like, is that it? Cool. You know, <laughs> more vacation, right? You know, selfishly, that's what I thought, like yeah. clearly, you know, uh, yeah. without thinking of the global impact that this law I had on, on communities and people. So yeah, always learning something. <laughs> um, so I believe also that you, on top of everything that you do with individuals, you also try to empower the community, right? To uh, give them the keys uh, in a way so they can become uh, self-sustainable by themselves through 
local organization or stuff like that. So can you tell us a little bit about this side of the work that you do as well? <sighs> that's that's really hard because it um it really takes a lot to to just motivate people that have been just pushed down so much, you know, um, especially if the majority of their life has just been like, no, but this is the way it is. What do you mean? It, it, this is, it is what it is. Right. Um, but one of the main things that I at least personally try to do, and I think everyone at the organization is really good at is motivating and boosting people's confidence. Because at the end of the day, that's that's how you reach a goal, right? You have the confidence because you believe you're going to reach it. And that helps in it, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're not motivated to reach a goal, but you still have to take action. And then the motivation comes, right? You need to see maybe results before yeah. you're motivated. And that's the thing. People think like, oh, I need motivation first. No. Sometimes you just need to do something, initiate, mm-hmm. and then that'll come. Um, so that's what we also try to teach people, like, just do it, do like initiate and do something. And then that feeling will come right. And might come, we're not going to be like, yeah, do this. And for sure you'll be happier. You know, um, I wish it's not like a light switch. Um, but you know, essentially that's what we do. Try to set people up for, you know, like, um, we make like action steps, like in the goals, right? Do this action step, right? It's going to lead to this. Then it leads to this. Oh, then all of a sudden you reached your first goal, right? So it's like these small little steps to get to the bigger thing, right? Um, And that's really important. And that, like at the end of the day, that's what empowerment is. Empowerment to me is more long-term. So you need little things before getting there. And Gato, I see you're like ready to like. (laughs) (laughs) I love everything that you're saying, Alyssa. I'm like, it energizes me. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, no, sorry, because I thought you were going to say something. But no, that's it. That that's what I feel like is the most important thing. Like, whether it's like, sometimes it's just a simple conversation with somebody that's having a crappy day. And that one conversation, like changed their mood the whole day. And then they went out and went to an event. And they met somebody, they got a job. Right. So it's like little things that we don't realize is like this butterfly effect Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we're all kind of impacting each other, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's spot on. And and that's also kind of why we make our um, that's the idea behind our leadership programs, too. We have Mm -hmm. um, a housing justice leadership training um, and that's called HEAL. Um, it's an acronym for a longer thing. And then we have one that's, um, well, I'll just say it's housing, equity, advocacy, and leadership. Um, and then we have one for climate justice that's called CLEAR, and that's community leadership on the environment, advocacy, and resilience. And then we have one around health equity um, or health justice um, called LIGHT, and that's Leaders in Grassroots Health Transformation. Um, so yeah, we love acronyms here at Catalyst, but um, the idea is that we make it really easy and really accessible for people to join these programs. And what they uh, what they do is they they learn about the underlying issues, um, about what's going on locally and beyond, and solutions that they can be a part of in their own ways. So um, what are what are like the root causes, and then what are things that we can do now, right? Whether that's like 
come with us, um, you know, in, in February or March when we go to Tallahassee to the state capitol to advocate face to face with elected officials. Right. We invite all of our leadership um, participants to 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 take part in those kinds of things. Um, or if if like partaking in action alerts and sharing action alerts um, or signing petitions, whatever it may be, if, if that's easier for them, then great. Um, if they want to start community projects, um, whether it's like um, a sustainable garden for the community, whatever it may be, like, that's great. We'll give them, you know, we, we offer uh, grants, mini grants for up to $1,000 for a community project that they can apply mm -hmm. for in all of these leadership programs. So we make it really easy um, for people to just take that step um, into whatever issue it is that they're most passionate about. Um, and if and dinner is provided, um, childcare, or you know, there's like a youth version so that the childcare portion is taken care of. So we do our best to make it um, as easy as possible. But like yeah. Alyssa said, you know, there are some folks who are just trying to survive in the now, and and like they're just not there yet. They have mm -hmm. to. They need that that capacity, right? Um, they need to feel like they have their feet are on solid ground before they can venture into something like that. So people reach that point at different at different times in their life. Um, but, but yeah, so our leadership programs are open to anyone and everyone. Yeah, which is understandable. I, I get it. I mean, I get it. Not that experienced it, obviously, but because I'm privileged, but uh, I, I, I can see that when you've been lied so many times, or when you've been uh, promised a bunch of things that never happened, when you've been persecuted for years and years and like you don't believe that things are going to change right like and and it's like you say it's a mindset like it's it must be hard after being pushed slapped punched so many times to believe that a change is possible at some point and 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 yeah like getting those small wins when you try to execute on a couple of things get can get you the motivation necessary to reach the next step right so i i can see mm -hmm. what you mean alisa by just just take action do what it, whatever it is get the small wins to see that first you're capable of doing it and that something is possible and then you get the ball rolling hopefully but yeah but, yeah. but i and can see also, that whole mindset yeah and also part of this empowerment lens is also including historical education what has happened before right because that can also mm. be motivation to get to the big win what are the big wins from the past mm. right so for example in the 1970 it wasn't until like 1973 that women were allowed to have a bank account by themselves before they needed a man whether it was their father their husband they could not own a bank account by themselves the 1970s in this country Right. So <laughs> how far we've come that now mm. women can own their own home by themselves. They don't need. Right. So it's just like knowing that information. It's like those are our grandmothers. Yeah. Right. Like that's not they're still alive, you know, like. Um, yeah. So it's just like also keeping in mind, like there is changes to be made and seen. That mm. is also like part of the hope and empowerment. Like you want to see this impact like long term and that's what it could look like a big policy change like that so yeah yeah, yeah. that's what it's also why i love um future bound miami the children's savings account program because it also comes with financial literacy yeah. um not just for the kindergarten students um for, for their parents too um and just the idea of 
the idea of possibly going to college, possibly yeah. continuing your education after high school, that may not be an idea that they had before this, this uh, free savings account was given to them. No strings attached, no interest, nothing. They get, um, <clears throat> they get when they activate their account, um, they get 20, $25 at a minimum to get them just started. They see mm -hmm. it right in their account. And if kids are on free and reduced meals, um, the program free and reduced meals, then they get $50. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's these long-term programs and, um, future bound Miami, um, our, our CEO saw something, uh, she in like 2017. And if, if she watches this, she's going to be like, that's not the year, <laughs> uh, but, but she went to New York and she saw, um, New York rises or New York kids rise or something like that. And it's a children's savings account program in New York. And she was like, we need that in Miami. We mm. need that in Miami Dade County and in Florida. So she came back and she talked to like tons of different supporters and funders and people who, you know, threw their, their, their dollars and their support behind it. And, um, it took a while, but, but we made it happen. And, uh, it's one of the, the coolest things because now we started out with like 30 schools in Miami-Dade County back in 2019. And now it's, um, it's expanded to, I think next year it's going to be all public schools in Miami-Dade County. Oh, wow. So, um, Thousands. So yeah, yeah, it's a game changer. Wow. It we is because suddenly it's an option that was not available for exactly. them. Like, it, it never crossed the mind that, oh, my kid might go to college one day. I, it's exactly. just like, it was just like a dream maybe, but like suddenly you're making it a real possibility. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, yeah. There's also like incentives from uh, throughout the course of their uh, public education from uh, kindergarten to, to senior year. Um, you know, there, there could be some incentives, like if you get perfect attendance that year, um, you know, you get a little bit more money or they'll match oh, okay. your, they'll match it. Um, and th this isn't like set in stone yet. These are just like the ideas, um, that are, that, that we had in mind when we launched this program and that some of our funders have agreed to participating in. And, you know, or like if you, um, if you got like really good grades that semester, then you get a little bit more or a matched, you know, match donation or something. And so it's these incentives to keep focusing on school and that future bound mentality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gamifying everything helps, especially with the new generation. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so I've got like, just before we wrap it up, like a question for both of you individually is, um, Obviously, like since you've been both working for Catalyst, you must have been in contact f with so many people, right? And helping out so many people. Um, what is the one thing that you've learned from the people you've been working with, helping with, that impacted you as a person and like made a change in your life? Oof. That's a great question. Can I have like, 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I can't pinpoint like one specific person. It's kind of been a theme that I've seen. Um, and it's, there's a couple things behind it. Um, so for me, one of the most powerful things that I have learned in my entire life is that 
I can't help anyone if I am not okay myself. Mm. Like I, I burned out really badly in the middle of grad school, working full-time, like a full-time job, a 20 hour internship plus full-time grad student. And it was, it was really intense. And and because I had to, I had to pay bills. I loved my work. Like I wanted to graduate on time. It was a lot of stuff. And I just wanted to help so many people. That was the mentality. Like I just need to help. And then I burned out and then I wasn't able to help anybody for like three months. (laughs) Right. And I felt so guilty for those three months. Because I kept thinking if I had just mm. planned better, if I had managed my time better, I would have been able to consistently help. And so I think that was, it was such a personal transformation of letting go of this idea of like, there's, I have to, everybody, every, there's always going to be somebody to help, unfortunately, Yeah. you know? And, and so once I really learned the power of self-care and just paying attention to myself I was also able to model that for others like setting boundaries I think that is one of the most important things and that's the main theme like just being able to set boundaries setting boundaries whether that's time boundaries physical boundaries um, you know boundaries with myself and this can all be applied to like with clients too you have to set boundaries with your spending if you're on a budget right so it's like just being able to effectively say no you know, is important. And I think that is a lesson that everybody can learn um, and for the better and improve yeah. their lives so that they can do more with their time and what they really care about. So mm-hmm. that for me has been the most impactful. I could not agree more. Like our good friend always say, you need to fill your own cup before you can uh, fill other people's cup. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, I've learned that um, I've learned from our community members and the people that we work with that uh, everything our society tells us about who should who is um, worth more or has more value or worthy of respect or success or whatever is crap. It doesn't matter what you look like, how much you earn, what clothes you wear, what car you drive. None of that speaks to your value as a human being. And in fact, the people who have less um, have, have, you know, less materially have, in my opinion, um, more to offer in, in, from their character, from their heart. And there is, there's a lot to learn from them. There's a lot to learn from them. And what I've learned is that... Um, they're smarter than me. They are the experts in their lives. Um, it is it is a privilege to to be to play any role um, in in their journey um, to to prosperity and self empowerment. Um, and you know, um, we have a lot to learn from other people who uh, our society may have told us are lower on some rung of some social ladder. Um, so. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I knew that before, um, but working in this job and getting to see, getting to meet them, um, and I get a glimpse, just a small fraction of, of mm. like what Alyssa and my other coworkers um, get to experience um, working with, with our communities. 
but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a big privilege to be able to do this work. So I'm really grateful. Good Thank answers. you. Awesome. <laughs> Nothing to add after that. No, that was powerful. <laughs> <laughs> so we have one last question that we like to ask people. So if you could have a conversation with anybody, dead or alive, famous or not famous, who you think would be the most interesting person to talk to, who would you choose and why and what would you like to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Don't overthink it. First thing coming to your mind. The first thing that came to my mind was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Hmm. she just, uh, she did so much. Um, and I would want to ask her, hey, can you put a good word in so you can get Alyssa to be a judge? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Um, that's so funny. Honestly, my very first reaction was someone from my family in Cuba. Someone that would be able to share more global perspectives. Um, someone who has just really sacrificed their life so that I can be where I am today. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of power in that. Knowing, like being in their shoes, knowing that they're going through what they're going through so that somebody else doesn't have to. So I feel like there's a lot to learn from that and like how to be resilient Mm. and how to maintain hope in that regard. So I would definitely want to speak to somebody from, from my family just because it's personal, you know? Thank you. Thank you both uh, for your time, for your openness and for educating us, for the work that you're doing. It's, I mean, through Catalyst, you two as individuals, you know, you choose to work there so it's it's amazing what you're doing like we joked before the episode before recording like you both could be doing much more money somewhere else in a for-profit organization right company Uh, but you both decide to be where you are now because it's due to your heart and 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 that's awesome and so thank you for everything that you do for for the communities because it's it's much needed in the world we live now especially as, as we talked about after the the mess that the world became recently right so uh yeah thank you to both of you and thank you for for your time i will link all the information about catalyst in the show note and description and stuff so people can find you and donate and and see all the good work that you do but yeah thank you both so much thank you thank you we appreciate it so much thank you for the space and hosting and really appreciate it you're welcome thank you for being here it's like I didn't say much because my mind was blown the whole time. I'm just like, <laughs> they do so much. I don't know how they fit it in their day. I don't know how, I just don't know. But thank you so much for your time and for sharing everything with us. Thank you so much. And for everybody watching and listening, we'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode and we'll see you then. Bye. 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 Bye.